0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. It's a story as old as time. A visitor to Las Vegas is down to their final chip, about to return home with empty pockets and heavy questions to answer, only to get hot and get out of town with a magical reprieve. And the Cardinals know that feeling. Through six quarters of the NFL season, they look like the worst team in football. Through six quarters, the dubious decision to extend the contracts of Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime seemed more like a death sentence, and then Kyler Murray put on a show, the kind of show that only he can put on. Now, many Cardinal fans are energized, exhausted, and a little bit conflicted unsure if they can trust Sunday's outcome as a true harbinger of hope unsure of Murray's freewheeling backyard brand of football described in one scouting report as a quarterback running around like a toddler who stole his parents phone can really be a system now I think we also fear the answer I think we fear that this head coach is still in way over his head that the general manager assembled a defense woefully short of impact players but if this offense offensive line can protect Murray the way they did in the second half on Sunday, well, then maybe we have something. Good news is we're going to find out this weekend in Glendale where the Cardinals have struggled against a Rams team that embarrassed them from top down in last year's playoffs. And we're going to find out soon if Kyler Murray just saved a season or if it was all just a lightning bolt of magic and a lollipop of hope. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW, who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Shop online at chapmanbmw.com. The
1: yeah, defense just kept getting stops. You know, they, we got to we got to play complimentary football. They kept getting stops, um, and we got to have their back. You know, this is a, it's a complete team effort today. Um, I'm just proud, proud of how we fought, I'm proud of you know, proud to be able to come out here and um, you know get a W against a great team. It was a good team complimentary football, lollipop
2: of hope. By the way, thank you. Not a great
0: name for a band, but a good line in the blast. Well, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's what I think is uh, interesting about this: uh, one of the one of the fringe benefits, one of the side benefits, the perks, if you will, of that performance from Kyler Murray. Not only did it reestablish him as must see television, as a potential MVP candidate, okay, um, and worthy of that elite franchise uh, designation as well as that contract. It actually put to bed the growing number of study hall jokes. and For the, now. And the irony in it is the brand of football he played yesterday cannot be studied. That's the irony. So it really is just about the results that Kyler Murray delivers because – and and whether or not those kind of results yesterday can really get you to a championship. That's the big question because – as, as season goes on, if you continue to try to win games like that off schedule, it, teams are going to catch up to you.
3: We've been fooled by it before. We've
0: been fooled like, by it, but
3: yes. And the memorable plays in last night's, or yesterday's game, were any of those because of the brilliant conceptual mind of Cliff Kingsbury and Absolutely the play calling not. and stuff? Absolutely Well,
2: not. I'm going to give Cliff a little bit of credit. The play calling did get better. There was a little bit more in terms of creativity. It was very vanilla in the first half. In the second half, you saw three different instances of that, that quarterback speed option. Where Kyler Murray pitched on all three, but they gained positive yards on all three, including mm-hmm. one pretty long play. I believe it was to Darrell Williams. Um, so, you know, the wrinkles were there. There's still a lot that's very horizontal. Um, you know, Marquise Brown was brought in to be the speed burner, deep threat. We haven't seen that yeah. yet at all. Um, really, just on those go patterns. Um, so, uh, there's stuff that needs Here's- to be. Uh, yeah, but you bring you bring up a really good point. Um, Kyler Murray's fingerprints are all over this world. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't by design. Uh, You know, a lot of the great stuff he did was improvised when plays broke down in the second half. He made the best of of bad situations. He also made a tremendous throw on a two-point conversion that they had to have, but... Can you rely on that every week? The, there needs to be more production in the structure of, of, Without of a this doubt. offense.
0: Without a doubt. And so I so I think about that and I think about, okay, well then, if we've seen this before and the ending to this movie is not good, then what really is sustainable about what we, what we saw yesterday? I, I say two things. Number one, in that second half, Kyler Murray had a certain calm about him, a certain poise about him. His body language did not regress when, when fellow wide receivers made bad plays, dropped pass Passes, key passes, potential touchdown passes. He kept his stuff together. And, and secondarily, it had to have been because he felt some real protection. And it, and if that is the case, if the Cardinals finally are, are onto an offensive line that is going to be the star of this or a, a co-star in this thing going forward, then, then maybe, then maybe we've got something Then maybe you can slide in this, a structure to this offense. If he feels comfortable enough to stay back there in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield. Okay. He was even under center a couple of times yesterday, which I'm sure Wolf was going nuts about. Um, so, so I think these are things that are potential long-term takeaways for this offense that, that you can kind of wish for and hope for. But again, it's it's kind of this off-scheduled stuff that you just don't know how much you can rely on it. That's that's really kind of uh, the bottom line here. So you're getting a Rams team coming into Glendale this week, and we do not need to hyper-focus on that game yet. We do need to give this football team its props because, as Vinny said, this is probably the greatest turnaround In Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals history.
3: And there's oh. such a difference between 1-1 one and 0-2. One and oh and oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody was
2: spouting those numbers again. There's like an 11, per- you go 0-2, there's an 11% chance you're going to make the playoffs. It goes up to, 1-1, you know, one one, it goes up to 40-something percent. So, uh, and since they redid the playoff structure before the 2020 season, no team that has started 0-2 has ever made the playoffs, which kind of makes you wonder yeah, about some of I'll these 0-2 teams like the Raiders, like the Cincinnati Bengals, and, and, no and, and teams like that.
0: The other big takeaway to me is yesterday Crystallize that for the Cardinals' offense to be dangerous, uh, to demoralize opponents, Kyler Murray is going to have to run the football as much as he may not want to. I think there is a direct correlation to the impact on the football game he makes with his legs uh, versus when he doesn't, and I think the stats bear it out. I don't know how many carries he finally ended up with yesterday, but it wasn't really just about the carries. Five, five. Okay, it, it was. It was the, the impact that the elusivity he has can do to a defense he had
3: a big play also taken away from with the penalty that was a run if you remember yeah yeah, I think there was a hold downfield that, mm-hmm. that knocked off some of the yardage on that run. Right. Uh,
2: the play that everybody's going to be talking about for a long time is the two-point conversion again. Uh, when they needed it, they needed two touchdowns, two two-point conversions. The first one was a thing of beauty that lasted almost 21 seconds with Murray running it in. Uh, here was Kyler talking about that. I mean,
4: point. it
1: was pretty long. It was pretty, I was honestly, man, I was just, I want to say they dropped nine. You know, I had two people rushing. Um, knew, knew they weren't going to be able to tackle me. It was just about, you know, hopefully, backyard football at that point, trying to Find somebody, uh, move, get open, make a play. Um, you know, I told the guys in the huddle, "Yo, we we got to get this." You know, we, at that point we were down 16, I believe. Uh, if we don't get the two point conversion, pretty much games pretty much you know it's tough. It's looking tough for us. So uh, there was no other option for me to but to uh, convert those two uh, two point conversions.
2: Yeah, Next Gen Stats put out like the animation of that play oh, yeah. uh, with all the the X's and O's and all the you know the, the the uniform numbers. And right before Kyler takes off for that area of the end zone that he that he scored in. There's two receivers there. There's a logjam of people there and, you know, luckily at, at some point I think when a play is that long, receivers are just running back and forth in the end zone, but they just happened to run towards the center of the field at that time. So Chandler Jones was one of the defenders that went toward the middle yeah. of the field and it opened got things up. He smoked on that play. And he doesn't need a lot of room, Kyler Murray no. to
0: get to, you know, be able to just sneak into the, into the goal line. Just what a remarkable play. To think that Kyler Murray could score on that run when everyone would it under that situation nobody else in the NFL could do that nobody else is that elusive and that is why that is why that play that you just talked about the NFL routinely Uncorked, seven to eight mind blowing plays every week. This mm-hmm. one, this one is at the top of the heap right now. I and mean,
3: the second, the second two point conversion had even more pressure on it uh-huh. and was also an amazing.
0: Oh, play. I want to play that uh-huh.
3: too because they took the they took the
2: delay of game and then Kyler Murray ends up you know converting on the pass to AJ Green from the seven. But here was Murray talking about taking that delay of game penalty.
1: Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't want to risk. You know, the game was too important. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was smarter to, you know, take the delay game. Not, not. Uh, I don't want to waste this play, you know, and, and give them a free one because we weren't, we weren't ready, or we were, we, you know, we were all, you know, discombobulated at the end. That wasn't. Um, I didn't think that was smart.
2: Yeah, it, it turned out to be the right move and a, and a pretty heady play. Um, but I got to tell probably you, helped between, between probably helped them. probably helped them to give them, you know, absolutely. There was a again, calm things down. But between ASU on Saturday night and the Cardinals on Sunday. We will never have a weekend of worse play clock recognition than what we just witnessed (laughs) in those two games. It was pretty bad. Uh, At least I'm hoping we don't. (laughs) Right. Uh, Coming up next, uh, Cardinals defense also stepped up when they needed to. We'll get into that side of the ball next on this big red Monday. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
5: Big red Monday at Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. That's incredible. You know, uh, he, he didn't impact the game much. And he's one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. Um, so kudos to him and uh, our defensive staff for, for coming out the the second half, and making those adjustments and really shutting down, you know, a Pro Bowl quarterback with, with some talented weapons.
1: I think, yeah, that's one thing about our whole group, I think, as a team. You know, obviously, we had to let week one go in the past, you know, didn't end how we wanted to coming into this game. We knew we had to prove something that wasn't ourselves the week before. So just coming into this game and proving everybody, everyone what we can do and who we are. So just to have that fight and, that, you know, that heart throughout the team, just you know, it's another best feeling that I could have to be around those guys.
2: Cliff Kingsbury talking about Byron Murphy and the performance he had against Devontae Adams and then Murphy himself who had the – uh the game clincher, the 59 yard fumble return, but also really good in pass coverage. And, and you want to start talking about the defense? I think we start there. Um, yes, mm-hmm. it was good to get JJ Watt back, but how much time have we spent on this show? And I know the other shows have been right along with it, uh, wondering about the health and the effectiveness of this cornerback room for the Arizona Cardinals. And yeah. uh, Byron Murphy, uh, through two weeks, you know, what he said yesterday was, I'm ready to be the guy for, for this room. I still think they need help. Uh, Trayvon Mullen was close to playing, couldn't play. Uh, Marco Wilson struggled at times. Jace Whitaker, give him credit, a guy in, in, you know elevated from the practice squad again on Saturday, which mm-hmm. looks like it's going to be a weekly occurrence for he and, and Devon Kennard. Uh, but you got to start there with the
0: performance of the corners. I uh, yeah, I do. I I think that um, I was highly skeptical going into this year as a big fan of Byron Murphy Jr., local kid who's who's really continues to grow his game. Um, I, but I was I, I was really skeptical that he could be a shutdown cover cornerback in the NFL. Uh, I wasn't sure he had all the foot speed and the twitchiness you kind of need. You've really got to be spectacular to be a star cover corner in this league. Whether, and I'm going to be very curious to see what his grade is and how much of this was the Raiders not going to him, but in the moments that I watched, Devontae Adams could not shake Byron Murphy Jr. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a that's a plus in terms of evaluating. Like, you, you look at Chandler Jones, for instance, Steve Keim chose not to pay him at age 32. The way Chandler Jones played yesterday, you could walk away and say he made a good call. Chandler Jones did indeed look heavy-legged yesterday. Even though he got some early pressure, he didn't look like the same guy that that disrupted quarterbacks in Arizona. But Steve Keim also chone, chose not to replace him with anybody other than his in-house talent. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference here. I like Marcus Golden made well, a big
2: impact. And there was two third-round picks that right. neither one of them... I mean, mean, they got one snap from those two guys yesterday.
0: Uh, So the Isaiah Simmons question is obviously still a very, very weighty, thorny kind of question. Uh, The pass rush, I still think, not a lot of pop in that front seven, Uh, unfortunately. J.J. Watt did a little bit yesterday on limited snaps. Hopefully he can play more often Zavin Collins actually was given the green dot yesterday and you said he played 100% of the reps he and Byron Murphy
2: were (laughs) the only two defenders to play every uh, he and Boone Baker were the only two defenders to play every snap
0: this is the kind of stuff that just as a as a football fan you go how does this stuff happen so, right. But but in terms of the secondary, Jalen Thompson made some nice plays yesterday. Uh, Byron Murphy Jr., Buddha Baker, that th- that that particular element of the football team did pretty well. Yeah, but
2: again, moving forward, how how confident no. are you? You can cut and paste this if you're that corner group. I don't. The, the, the Cardinals don't. have been very resistant to go out and get outside help. hmm They traded for
0: Mullen, who has not been on the field yet. We're going to know that that's the beauty of playing the Rams this weekend, because the Rams in last year's playoff game, they came in with a disdain for the Cardinals offense and for the for the off schedule stuff. And they handed the Cardinals their backsides. And so so to me, if if they really found something yesterday, if they found their rhythm, if they finally got all the rust off and now they've got some, we're going to see it. We're going to see it because the Rams are vulnerable defensively for whatever reason, and but they're also going to be on point because they know they're lucky to they're down near zero two. They could very easily be in last place right now. They could, and so and this division is just it, it's ever evolving, man. You've got you've got this injury to Trey Lance who broke his ankle yesterday. Can, can we get there for a second? I know it's a big
2: Red Monday, but yeah, you know, we're talking about the this division, and, division and the, and the landscape. Yeah. Um, It is a total bummer for Trey Lance, and I never wish any ill will on an athlete injury-wise. It it sucks. I mean, he's having his whole year taken away from him uh, when he was granted an opportunity. But this makes things so easy on the San Francisco 49ers. They don't have to sit here and, and be patient through growing pains of Trey Lance, a quarterback, and then maybe eventually totally kill his confidence by making that quarterback switch, which I said
0: was coming in week four. Yeah. This, this could I, be the best thing that ever happened to him. I, I hate to say that, uh, given the fact of that, yeah. that injury, and given the fact that Kyle Shanahan, you know, he, he, he's got to look himself in the mirror because he asked that young kid to sacrifice his by running between tackles? Remember, Remember the last game year he started Less. here against yes. the Cardinals? Yes. Exactly. How yes. physical. He got the stuffing beat out of him. Yeah. And and so if if you're really going to move on to a new quarterback, can you can you can you give him a level playing field? I mean, I, I part of me feels really bad for the guy.
3: I'll tell you though, at like sort of like what Vince was saying, as a Cardinals fan, when I heard about that, I went. Ah, damn it. Yeah. Because now you fear the 49ers a little more in the division, if you're the Cardinals, at least to me. Well, he's got familiarity
0: with all of his targets. Oh, this, the way his offensive line reacted to him yesterday, the way he was signing autographs afterwards, this really could be the best thing to happen to the 49ers, even though I, I feel kind of wonky saying that. Because I do, of that too. injury. I do it also
3: too. just makes it like all the more important that the Cardinals are 1-1 one and, one and not 0-2. Oh Just the big picture. Just like, just to think that like, a couple inches here or there in that game on like five different plays and they lose that game. It's amazing.
0: The second two-point conversion, the unbelievable pass from Kyler Murray to A.J. Green. A.J. Green did not corral that football. That thing the the of that football came out and probably touched the field. You could see A.J. Green on the sideline. He looked like the dog that knew it had kind of, you know, eaten somebody's homework, eaten someone's homework. (laughs) His head was kind of dropping like, oh, please, oh, please. If they don't get that fumble. When they showed him on the sidelines, he he had zero confidence that that thing was Yeah, and so I think right, right. And if we don't
3: get the fumble from Renfro, we're talking about Hollywood Brown dropping that fourth down play. And
0: and Byron Murphy Jr., how about the you know ignominy of Wright? Of that of letting go of the football just after he crossed the goal line. We just talked about this last week, about how that used to be a thing. <laughs> and and the Cardinals survived all of it. That's why it, it 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 almost feels serendipitous, it almost feels divine intervention. It just feels like, man, did they get a reprieve. Yeah, Murphy was asked, Hey, did you think you released it a little too early? Uh, I think
1: it was a little questionable. But now that I you know, now now that I've seen that, I'm taking that ball away to the house. Yes. <laughs> to- Korea back to Arizona.
2: <laughs> like I tweeted yesterday, you got to Forrest Gump that thing. Just keep running all the way throughout the stadium. <laughs> I thought yeah. we were over that era when That's everyone dipped right. so it before. Too. Yeah, and what, I mean, Breaking you just plane. scored a touchdown to win the game. What are you giving that? I mean, that one's going on your mantle. Right. Don't don't don't. Just, yeah, hold, hold on to it. Hold next, on to next,
3: it. Next time, think of this.
2: Hey, Jenny. <laughs>
3: Is that a Forrest Gump impression? No, it was not my...
2: Jared was so proud of getting that drop in. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I haven't played that in forever.
2: Have you subscribed okay. to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. The Bickley and Murata podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley at a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk about the Cardinals' win on Big Red Monday with Kyle Vandenbosch. That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
3: Play, bro. Let's the best. Let's best. Let's go, buddy. Let's
5: go. Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford.
2: That is bigger on Monday, breaking down the Cardinals' 29-23 overtime win over the Las Vegas Raiders to even their record. And so much to chew on from this game. It was a crazy second half here to help us do it uh, from the Cardinals radio network. Former Cardinal Kyle Vandenbosch checks in here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, uh, Kyle. I think Jarrett wanted you to do a sports update there.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Did you have me on the air? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Okay. All right. Hey, good morning, guys.
2: Good morning. Um, Just, I mean, there's so much to uh, to react to. uh, Just the tale of two halves. What was your 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 biggest takeaway from what we saw from the Cardinals yesterday on 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 the positive front? Uh,
5: This this win, this type of win, um, you know, you felt like when this team was down twenty to nothing, and then down twenty three to seven. in order to win, they would have to do everything perfectly. And it was far from perfect uh-huh. at that point. Um, ugly wins actually do so much for the morale of a team. Um, you know, looking back on my career, we drafted a young Vince Young um, and in his rookie year, he was able to do some incredible things. We, we came back from a, a three-touchdown deficit in the fourth quarter against the Giants to win a game. Um, and what it says to this team, to the young players, and even the veterans on this team is we've just got to keep fighting because with this guy at quarterback, um, we, we will always have a chance. And that does so much down the road, whether you're up or whether you're down. Um, it, you know, really through six quarters of listless football a team that looked like it didn't have energy, didn't have fight um, to get an emotional type win like this, to really do some magical things on the football field. Um, It, it, I think that does so much for this team going forward Um, saying that, you know, this team cannot get into holes like this game after game. Um, They've got to come out and have a faster start. Um, But, you know, to me, Um, the encouraging thing, because one of my critiques of Kyler Murray, um, really he does, and I understand it, uh, throughout the regular season last year, you know, self-preservation was a key for him. He was not going to take big hits, um, unnecessary hits. But when it came down to um, crunch time, big games at the end of the season, and even in the playoffs, he kind of continued to turtle at times in the uh-huh. backfield. I mean, thinking back to that playoff game, Aaron Donalds came through in the middle and he just fell down. And this is a playoff game. Um, and then a game like this where he really puts the team on his back and wills the team to a victory, um, That that to me shows the type of player he can be, but really shows – the the rest of that locker room that um, he's going to fight and he's going to do everything he can to help the team win games.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All that is so well said, and, and the self preservation skills it's a double edged sword with this guy. And, and and it all seemed to kind of lock in for the better when this offensive line started to swallow up the Raiders. How did that happen? In your opinion, was it all, was it adjustments from Sean Coogler? Was it just the Raiders being on the field way too often in the second half? How did you see that happening?
5: Well, I think both of those things are true. I think there's a couple of more things. Um, I heard you talking earlier about, you know, it was all Kyler Murray, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's play calling in. And I'll disagree to a point. Um, This team in the fourth quarter was down 23-7. to And I think everybody at home is like, we need to start airing it out. We need to start taking deep shots. Um, They stuck with their offense. They ran the ball effectively. Um, and we're never panicked. We never seemed like we got to force the ball down the field, even though that opportunity is not there. And that really kept the defensive line off balance. When you still are, are gaining chunk yardage, you know, not, not huge run gains, but you're getting four, five, six yards to carry, and it's a, you're effectively moving the ball down the field, the defensive line cannot pin their ears back and just pass rush. And then, um, it, you know, to me, um, having been a defensive lineman, once Kyler started scrambling around, buying time, making plays with his legs, they changed what they were doing um, that the Raiders did. You know, it was, we used to call it a mush rush. When you have a mobile quarterback, mm-hmm. your entire job is to no longer pass rush, but to uh, rush down the middle of offensive linemen and keep the quarterback in the pocket. And to me, it's, it's the worst game plan possible. It's the worst adjustment you can make because you're essentially blocking yourself up front. Um, you know, <laughs> only rushing at the end there, two defensive linemen and dropping everybody. Um, you know, it, it it did not work. You you've got to continue what worked for you in the first half and let your D lineman rush. And so, you know, the offensive line did step up, made some adjustments, blocked better in the second half. But it was more what the Raiders' adjustment was, and and they stopped getting pressure on Kyler Murray.
2: Kyle Vandenbosch, our guest here on uh, Big Red Monday on Bickley Murata mornings. Uh, the Cardinals defensively looked like a different team in the second half as well, but so did the Raiders' offense. When when you when you break down what we saw after halftime, Kyle uh, Cardinals defense against Raiders offense how much of it was the Cardinals defense and how much of it was uh, Josh McDaniel just kind of uh, getting a little too conservative with a 20 point lead
5: yeah again I think it was a little of both Um, the biggest key defensively was Byron Murphy's performance you know it it seemed like he had a quiet game but uh, for whatever reason um, you know, Derek Carr didn't look um, Devontae Adams' way very often. And I don't know, you know, it looked to me like Byron Murphy was doing a fantastic job shadowing him, taking him out of the game. Um, that's one of the top two, three receivers in the NFL. And when you hold him to two catches the entire game, um, when he basically disappears in crunch time, um, that's a huge factor. Um, You know, while Kyler Murray, uh, I think another factor, while Kyle, Kyler Murray really stepped it up, Became a playmaker in the fourth quarter, um, and in overtime, Derek Carr. Um, I mean, he he basically. Uh, I mean, he was inaccurate. There was receivers that were open. There was guys he could hit that he had opportunities. Move the chains. Um, they they appeared to go you know really conservative in the fourth quarter, trying to protect their lead, um, and they were their offense became ineffective, and their defense got tired toward the end of the game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, that's, it was all incredible to watch as that thing unfolded. When you take a look at the Cardinals, and so where, where do you, where do you draw the balance between, okay, these were good adjustments from Vance Joseph in the second half, and, and how do you think the play from Isaiah Simmons might help launch him if it will, given the fact that he, he had the green dot taken away, he could barely get on the field yesterday. Where do you see that going?
5: Yeah, that was an interesting development. Um, I don't think really any of us saw that coming. I mean, again, the promise in the offseason through training camp was Isaiah Simmons was going to be the answer to a lot of problems for this defense. And he was going to be moved and utilized so much in this defense that offenses would have a hard time adjusting to him. And, um, you know, again, a lot of credit to... Coach Kingsbury and the coaching staff because um, you know, I was on here last week talking about how it's hard for a player's coach to tighten the screws. Mm -hmm. Um, The coaching staff sent the message um, and apparently um, you know, his practice habits and and they they basically said at game he needs to practice better and he needs to practice harder and you know, that message doesn't only go to Isaiah Simmons, that goes to everybody on the roster that look, you know, this guy was a guy that we were counting on depending on He's athletically one of the most gifted players, not just on the team, but the NFL. Um, But they were willing to, you know, bench him for the most part uh, in a big game, a game that this team needed because he wasn't doing what it took to prepare himself, excuse me, for these games. So, again, I, I think it's a great move. For this team moving forward, um, this sends a message not just to the young players, but, um, you know, everybody needs to step up their preparation. Everybody needs to practice harder if, if you're going to play, uh, play for this team on Sundays. Yep.
2: Kyle, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate Thank the time you, and the insight. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, guys, have a good day. Thank you. You too. Kyle Vandenbosch, Cardinals Radio Network, our guest here on uh, Big Red Monday. Coming up next, the red turns into maroon. What's going to go on next? Herm Edwards Hello. out as head coach at ASU. Who could be next on the sidelines next season for the Sun Devils? We'll get into some of those possibilities. It's Bickley I and Murata. got the Joker laugh ready if you want it. Bickley and Murata Nine. Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan
0: Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
4: Well, we got to fix it. we got to fix it with the players we
0: have. That's
5: how you got to fix it. There's no one else coming in the building. And um, we got to find a way to fix it, and that's what I told the team. Going forward, you got to figure out who you are now, what you want to become, and
1: where we're going. And so that's kind of that, that, that's that's the bottom line. It's got to get fixed with the players we have.
2: That's Herm Edwards on uh, Saturday night after ASU lost to uh, Eastern Michigan. Oof, a uh, bad loss, thirty to twenty-one. Uh, Herm Edwards talked about there being uh, a need to fix it with the players that they have. Uh, the, the wheels were in motion already after that game, according yeah. to Ray Anderson and, uh, University President Michael Crow, that Herm was not coming back. It became official yesterday. That uh, he has relinquished his duties as head coach of the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils. Three games into his fifth year, Sean Aguano will take over on an interim basis. Former Chandler high coach, coached uh, running backs, and apparently is very well respected uh, within the team. Which, you know, does this turn the season around? I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I think with this move, Bick... Um, was it, and I don't want to sound like somebody who's relishing the fact that Herm Edwards got fired. I wouldn't have
0: fired him at this point. I think you're
2: punting on another full season. Uh, if now, you're ASU I, yeah, football. But, but
0: I think at some point in time, you have got to say enough is enough. At some point in time, perceptually, you just say you have to say we're not, this is not what we're about. So I get what you're saying. I think what they did was they should have done this after last season, they should in have. my opinion. They should have clean break, fresh start, find somebody new, and just create turn the page. And and if the NCAA investigation catches up to you, so be it. And yeah. But but turn the page. This, this right here is really the worst case scenario because it really calls into question what exactly did you think you were trying to accomplish here? Because if Herm Edwards was hired to just lend a helping hand <clears> – <throat> To leverage his media context, uh, context to, to give pep talks in, and to lure recruits, well, I, I I don't know where you would get that kind of institutional arrogance to think that you could crack the code of college football in a way that no, uh, no team or program ever has. There was
3: know? a small window. Where it did seem like it was working, oh, though. You're yes, right. No, they yeah, were playing I, better. They were getting the big recruits. They were on ESPN and talked about on TV yes. all the time. I, yeah. I,
2: that was kind of the roller coaster for me. I
3: hated the hire initially. I thought the, the whole idea was
2: cockamamie, and then right. Herm and and with the product they were putting on the field actually looked pretty good. Then but, COVID happened, right, and their season got torn apart because you know they everybody tested positive. They had four games. They had the violations. Uh, and everything that they were making inroads on, to Jarrett's point, the recruiting, they were improving their recruiting efforts. They were becoming a real player as a yes. nationally ranked uh, you know, in, in, in
0: recruiting results. And that's gone bye-bye now. Listen, and, and that to me, I, I'll never uh, – when, when, when history frames this era of ASU football, that's going to be the question. That with Antonio Pierce and his recruiting crew, they were making inroads in California that no head coach at ASU has done in quite some time. And then they got full of themselves, and they made real, careless, brazen mistakes. And and the, hence the, the NCAA investigation, and here we are. Yeah. But the fact that they were at that level and there was so much institu- lack of institutional control that the head coach didn't really have a clue of what was going on, that is a system that was destined to fail. Yes. Destined. And it did. So
2: you have to ask yourself the question now, with the coaching search going on, how attractive is this job, all things considered? You've got an uncertain future in your own conference. You have an uncertain future in terms of penalties with the NCAA. I don't think that's a a deal killer for a lot of coaching candidates out there. I think everybody, coaches are very hungry by nature. They want that next big opportunity, maybe that next big stepping stone. Ray Anderson, the athletic director at ASU, talked about uh, what they could be looking for in their next head coach.
4: It may be uh, I think you have a lot of different types of uh, candidates. Uh, I think there is a understanding that uh, if you're going to come in and be a college head coach now, particularly in football or basketball, men's basketball, you got to be willing and ready to deal with NIL and transfer portals and recruitment inducements uh, and uh, all the other things, a conference realignment, and all the uh, uh, the threats and the concerns that are expressed there when you're talking about recruiting, etc. So uh, I think there's going to be, I don't know what the word is, uh, if it's going to be a more intellectual, a more business type uh, head coaching candidate coming in, uh, a more innovator. I don't, I don't know, but I think there's going to be a different set of characteristics that are going to come through some of these coaches, uh, the ones who are really in the analytics and all that data stuff, uh, I think you're going to see more of that coming in uh, 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 onto these jobs. Well,
2: I
0: feel better. Uh, well, that
4: data stuff,
0: I feel better. Analytics. Yeah, that sounded very Tony LaRusso like, didn't
4: it? Yeah. Oh,
0: all that What's data the, stuff. I, uh, the only thing I
3: didn't hear was him thumbing his nose when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all like he was contradicting himself: an innovator or somebody who's into the data. Like an intellectual or someone who's more about... It's, it, yeah,
0: all he was saying is that he's going to be somebody who's not at all like Herm Edwards. So, I, so again, it's, it really comes down to who is going to make this call. Because I'm telling you, the influential Sun Devil alumni think that only half the issue was addressed over the weekend. True. Well, well you talked about also that the world of college
3: football changed under Herm Edwards. And as, what I was thinking is They were trying to reinvent the wheel And while they were trying to reinvent the wheel The car changed
2: Yeah <laughs> it's they true. Don't, they don't work heels yeah, anymore. It's true. Uh, here's two names that are out there. There's a couple of uh, lists. Uh, Chris Vanini on The Athletic has a, a very detailed list of a lot of candidates, and there's some big names on there. Uh, Gary Patterson shows up on this list. Dan Mullen shows up on this list. Tom Herman, the former Texas head coach. Brian Harson, who's probably going to get fired over at Auburn. And, yes, he did have Cliff Kingsbury as the last name on his list, which I don't think is at all feasible. But. Let me throw two names at you. You want Innovation? Or you want a guy who's got experience in rebuilding broken programs? If I'm ASU, I'm really hoping Matt Rule gets the axe in Carolina. Oh,
3: okay. That's the number one name on Dennis Dodd's list. He fixed Temple. He fixed
0: Baylor. He, you know, oh, I, yeah. The NFL's no, you, a you different creature to, altogether. You wouldn't have to talk me into that name.
3: And but fixing Baylor was no small thing because Baylor ooh. had a lot of... Things, problems, they, were in too. Worse,
2: they were in worse shape than, than ASU is in now. Uh, the other name, it's out of left field, but you want to make a splash? You want to get involved in NIL? You want to pull recruits again? Dion Sanders is pulling five-star recruits to Jackson State University. I think he could do that at ASU.
0: Yeah, I know that but but again, do you know how much money a year Deion Sanders would cost you? I mean that, that would that would be a great solution. But the thing with ASU football to date has been they do they are not inclined to go full in in terms of cost expenses. How much are we going to allocate to one program? They've been about the Pac-12 model. We want to be good in everything. It's very hard to be good in everything and have an elite football program. Because to have an elite football program, they're going to pack man up most all the resources. Yeah, but you know what
2: Deion Sanders makes annually right now at Jackson State? $300,000. You're
3: kidding. No. He didn't have okay. to take a higher salary with all of his endorsements that he's offer got. Him, offer Geico him. commercials, whatever. Yeah, offer it. him three fifty. He's yeah, those,
2: right.
0: He's in those. Right. He's done. No. He's those the awful
3: commercials with Nick Saban with the talking duck. Yeah. Dennis Dodd's second choice behind Matt Rule is yeah. Byron Leftwich.
2: That's interesting. I I don't know how much I would consider that a possibility. I think Byron Leftwich is is going to be an NFL hood coach pretty quickly. Uh, some other names on this list: uh, Todd Monk, in uh, Georgia offensive coordinator, Hugh Freeze. No thanks. Uh, Brian Harson, Dion Sanders, Tom Herman, Mike Norvell, Justin oh. Wilcox from Cal. His last name is also an interesting one. Rick Neuheisel. What? Oh. The Valley I, guy? Like, I like Rick Neuheisel. That Wait, he would he want to coach again? I, he's sixty one. I don't know if he wants to coach again. He's a really good broadcaster, mm-hmm. he's got and he's a already gag. he's already coached like half the teams in the conference. Oh. Really, yeah, oh, he, he really has. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frank. All right, yeah. coming up next, we'll hit uh, some social studies here on this big red Monday. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.